0: For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. We're talking about signs and wonders this morning. Yes. Hallelujah. Signs and wonders. Praise God. In Matthew's Gospel chapter 5 and verse 6, we'll use this as an introduction to our message. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Who are the ones that get filled? Those who hunger and those who thirst. Hunger and thirst are great motivations. Wouldn't you agree? When someone gets really hungry and someone gets really thirsty, look out. Look out. When the Israelites came out of Egypt... Oh, they were ecstatic when they left. But as soon as they got hungry and thirsty, you know what they did. Then they rose up and rebelled, didn't they? They wanted something so badly that they did whatever they could to get it. Even uh, rebelling against Moses and Aaron and even the Lord himself. Why? Because they were hungry and they were thirsty. If you recall the time of uh, Daniel, when Daniel believed the 70 years of captivity were up in, in Babylon, The time had come and he was hungry and thirsty for deliverance. And so what he did was set his face to seek God Almighty. And he fasted and prayed for 21 days. You know the story. Uh, But the answer came. But the reason was because he was hungry. That's why he was so moved and motivated to do what he did. We're living in a time right now, I believe, when God's people really need to get hungry. And really need to get thirsty. To have the manifestation of God's presence and power to confirm his word with signs following. Why? Because they're necessary to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I believe that um, God's purposes come to pass when people get hungry. When this is what I want, and I'm not going to say no to anything other than that. I want what God wants In my life. I don't want just. A head knowledge experience in God. I want. A knowledge of reality. With God. I want God manifesting himself. As Paul said. If need be in my physical body. Consume with God. I want God. In me. Through me. Manifesting himself. Anywhere I go. Everywhere I go. I want him to manifest. In my life. I wanna see him in reality. Well, that's exactly what Paul wanted. It should be what we want. I remember there was a time when I just became so hungry for truth. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget that day. Sometimes you say, why do you refer to those moments? Because that's when it, it was initiated. That's when it started with me. I was in my mill crane in the Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company. I was operating the crane when Brother Jose Feliciano walked into my crane cab. And we were discussing some things. And he was a Bible student at this time. I was just saved. I'm brand new. A babe in Christ. And he looked at me and said, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love them. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. When he quoted that verse to me, I just stood there with my mouth open and something on the inside of me triggered off a hunger and a thirst To know the Word of God like that, because I just got saved, I didn't really know the Bible very well, but that triggered off something in me, and I got my nose into the book. I want to be able to declare the Word of God like that. Now, he didn't quote verse 10, the next verse. I found out sometime later how important it was to know the next verse. But the Spirit of God, but the Holy Spirit has revealed them to us. So thank God the Holy Ghost does reveal certain things to us. But that triggered off a thirst in me, a hunger in me. I wanted to know the Bible. I wanted to know the truth of God's Word. I wanted to experience God in my life in a a powerful way. In a real way. Not just head knowledge, but experienced knowledge. I wanted to know Him. In the book of Romans, chapter 15 and verse 19, the Apostle Paul, you know his story. He had an experience with God. He saw Jesus on the Damascus Road. And that experience was what was necessary for him to do a 180 in his life. Rather than destroying Christianity, he writes more than half of the Bible, or the New Testament rather. He said these words, Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Unto aliqurium. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I have fully preached. Notice the word fully. I have fully preached it. Not partially. But fully preached it. Well what is this fully preaching the gospel of Christ? Look at verse 18. He says it. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath wrought. Not wrought by me. To make the Gentiles obedient. By word. And by deed. Notice its word and its deed. In other words, we proclaim the truth of God's word and God confirms the word with signs following. So we have the revelation of truth and then God puts his stamp of approval on it. And something occurs in the natural world, the tangible world that we live in to verify it, to confirm it, to show his approval of it. We believe to see the manifestation of God. He has eyes that see. He has ears that hear. He has an arm that reaches out and touches people. Look at the next verse here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. You see, the kingdom of God is not just in word, but also in power. It's come with deeds. In other words, manifestations of God. And we should have high expectation that God will manifest Himself where His Word is honored. We go back to the very beginning and we discover that the world was in a mess, in a chaotic state. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep, but He was not commissioned to do anything until the Word was spoken. And when the Word was spoken, praise God, all creation came into being. And that's God's operation. That's His method of operation. Somebody dare believe the truth of God's word and speak it and proclaim it, and the Spirit of God is right there to quicken it or to make it a reality. We don't want to settle for mediocrity, do we? We want to experience God in His fullness in every area of our lives. That should be our desire. I remember one time when we talk about preaching and proclaiming the truth of God's word with demonstrations and with signs, I was once again, young in the Lord, just still in Bible school and came out and was asked to speak at a church service somewhere. And this, well, I just put it this way. When I I got there, there were, it was like a school setting where you've got seats like you would have at school. And there must have been about 30 people that were there. I was still young in the Lord. I didn't really know a whole lot about a lot of things. But I'm just going to teach what I'm being taught. And so, I stand up there when I was introduced and I was about to say something when the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart in a word of knowledge and said, someone's here with a back problem and I don't want them to be uncomfortable while you're preaching. So I said, is there somebody here with a back problem? Just want you to know that God loves you enough that he told me to tell you he doesn't want you to be uncomfortable while you're sitting here in church. So come on up here. I'm going to pray for you. And she came up. To the front. Now, back then, it was a little bit different than right now. Normally, if I would say something like that right now, I'd have a couple, at least at least one usher stand behind the person who came up. Well, she just came up. Again, I'm young in the Lord. I don't know what to do except, in the name of Jesus, I command your back to line up and be healed. She went flying, fell under the power. Her glasses went across the floor. This is a cement floor with towel on it, not carpeting, and. Her glasses went flying. Of course, you're in the natural. I'm looking oh, Lord. (laughs) What do I do now? (laughs) Well, it took a moment. Then she got up, put her glasses on, moved her body. She goes, I'm healed. I'm completely healed. We give you all the glory, Lord. But you know what? The better part of the story is this. She said, I wasn't going to come in here. I was outside looking in the window. And when I saw, she says, I turned around. I started walking back to my car. And another couple saw me. And they said, where are you going? Well, I was going to go in there. But I I don't know. I'm, I'm not used to anything like this. They said, oh, come on. God will bless you. Come on. God's going to bless you. Come on and take your seat. And so they encouraged her. And she came in. And I found out that She was just as young as I was. She didn't know anything more than I did. She thought maybe I knew something. I didn't know anything. Other than God said, pray for her. That's about it. You know. And as a result, of course, she had the gospel preached to her through a sign and a wonder. God singled her out by giving me that word of knowledge for her. And then God healed her immediately. And she was completely free. How many of you know that when you get healed and you're in pain, it feels good. And she was no longer in that kind of pain. So God took a hold of her life. Now, I don't know what happened to her from that point on, because I went back to Bible school and, and all that and never saw her ever again. But sometimes it takes these signs and wonders just to be able to penetrate people, to get to their hearts. And God knows that. And that's why he said his word is confirmed with signs following So when we proclaim it and declare it, that's our part. His part is to confirm it. You can't confirm it. We can't perform miracles in our strength or power ability, but he can. And so we do our part, he does his. Look in the 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, we did that, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And here the Apostle Paul is dealing with these Corinthian people, and he talks about when he first came to them. He says, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How can one have faith in the power of God if the power of God is not preached? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. God's power in operation and manifestation can never be denied. I remember you talk about a sign or a wonder. This was years ago, once again, when I was first coming into the things of God. And I went to a particular meeting. It was, at that time, called an all-faiths crusade in Atlanta, Georgia. We went there with a the family. Another, a couple of families were together. We got into this big RV, and we drove 15 hours to Atlanta, Georgia, where we were going to go to this meeting. It's the first time I had really been in that kind of a meeting because I came out of a denominational church, and we didn't practice anything like that at all. That was taboo. Didn't know anything about anything like this. So I'm just going to go down there to support this family because we're going down there to pray for their children. And they were in dire need of divine intervention. So we all just band together. We all went down there. And it came time for the altar call. When it came time for the altar call, masses massive amount of people went up to the altar. And many of them needed to be healed. But also the invitation was, if you just want a touch of heaven. If you want to touch from God, come on up here and let us pray. Well, I just decided I was going to go up there myself. So I went up there. I stood there in that line. And by the time the brother came to me to lay hands on me, he never even touched me. All I knew is I was just floating backwards. Floating, like as if I was on pillows. Floating backwards, landed on the floor, and I'm lying there and I'm thinking, you know, you get all these thoughts going through your mind. Do you not realize that the God of creation just touched you in a tangible way? Wow. You talk about staggering. The true stagger is when you try to get up. And you can hardly walk. And you're about to fall back down. You, you just stumble back to your seat and sit there and just go the god of creation just touched me in a tangible way the feelings the emotions the words all that's just going through you is wow what love i felt what an experience amazing experience but my heart was hungry I was so hungry for God, I just wanted nothing but God in my life. You heard my story about being filled with the Holy Ghost. What do you want? I want all that God has for me. Okay, you want filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with tongues. I do? Yeah, that's what you want. Okay, give it to me. It pays to be that way. That innocent, you know what I mean? That innocent attitude that you have. I just want God. I want you to be real in my life. And then I come to realize that Many don't believe in anything that ever happened to me. They didn't believe about speaking with other tongues. They didn't believe about going under the power. They thought you're a cult. You're a this, you're a that. And I'm just thinking like, my goodness, I served the devil for all these years. I did, never did anything like that. I come to Jesus and I get filled with the Holy Ghost and power and the power of God comes on me. And lo and behold, that's of the devil. Really. To show you how deceived people can possibly be. To show you that the devil does his job to make people think that it's wrong. He wants to control people. And so, this goes on and on. I mean, different times in my life as far as the power of God being in manifestation, whether it be in me or through me and and that sort of thing. So, uh, it's real. I mean, there were times in our other church way back in Midland when we just came up to the altar and the power of God just fell. People, I recall people just scattered over like bowling pins went down, just laying around the altar, just like that. God's power is real, it's tangible, and it should be an operation and manifestation. There were times we had meetings where we just watched legs grow out and arms grow out, right? You were a part of that. And you know what? There were some denominational people that were there and didn't experience the power of God that way but they were at least brave enough to come up to the altar and we prayed for them. Arms grew out, legs grew out and they were healed, uh, etc, etc. Guess what? They changed their opinion. One fellow who was distinguished and way in the back of the church just said one day, I'll go up there for prayer but I will not fall down like other people. I didn't know that. I didn't even touch him. He He Next thing you know he's on the ground. And after the service, he goes, He tell, I know it because he told me. I said that wouldn't happen to me. But it did. I can't deny it. It was God. It was wonderful. But once again, think this through. The God of creation touched you in a tangible way? Oh, my. Wow. How ridiculous is this? The setting is this. They just had the Last Supper. They sing, they're singing the Halloween hollow psalms. They're on their way to Gethsemane. And they go into Gethsemane and Judas, as you know, has betrayed Jesus and now he's got a little group there. They're going to come and they're going to arrest him. They're on a mission. He says, the one I kiss. That's the one, you know, he's the one you're going to arrest. Well, before that ever happens, when they get there, they say, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am. He They all fall over on the ground like bowling pins. Would you want to mess with that? Think about it. There they are. All strewn out. All over. They think they're big, strong, and mighty. And he says, don't you think I can call a legion of angels if I want to right now to come and help me? Who do you think you are? If I didn't submit myself to you and give myself to you, you have no power over me. Right? I would think when that power of God hit me and I'm on the ground, I would want to think I'd put my sword away and just walk away or at least say, Jesus saved me or something. But no, it goes to show you how deceptive the devil is and how people can be deceived into thinking that was nothing. Really? Look in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter um, 2. We'll start with verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more more earnest heed to the things which we have heard less than any time. We should let them slip. In other words, it's like it's like this. You've got a balloon full of air. But there's a tiny little, open, tiny, just a tiny, and it's just little by little, e- just eking out. Just a little bit. Things that are slipping. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast in every transgression, and disobedience received the just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed Unto us, uh, unto them by that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His will. What this is saying? Don't let that slip. You see, the church of today, I would just say the most part, the majority of the supposed Christian church of today, they recoil at signs and wonders. They step back from signs and wonders. They think you're some kind of lunatic or you're crazy or a heretic or whatever if there's a sign and a wonder. I mean, have heard them talk because someone fell under the power. Because that goes to show you how foreign it is. If it's that foreign, then they'd have anything to do with it. Don't know anything about it. It's the power of Almighty God that raised Him from the dead. When you get Ananias and Sapphira to come to a church service and they lie to the Holy Ghost and they fall over dead... That's a sign. And that'll make you wonder. Will that make you wonder? I better tell the truth in church. hmm They lied to the Holy Ghost. Great fear came upon the church as a result of that. Great fear. And no one would join themselves to them unless they were sincere and they meant business with God. You talk about a hunger and a thirst that I had for the things of God. Man, I worked in the mill three shifts. Didn't like it, especially the night shifts. You know, the nights for sleeping, not working. The first night I worked all night long was on the sizing mill. I didn't run a crane at that time. I was just hired there just a few weeks. Uh, they, they knew it. They took advantage of it. And there I was sitting on a sizing mill. The sizing mill watches this pipe come in from the reelers. They ream them out. They clear them out. And they go through this on, the, on a rack, and they're going through these rollers, and they go through the sizing mill that sizes the, this is oil that was made for the pipeline. 15 inches down to maybe 10, 9 inches, 6 I think at the least. This is my first ever night shift. Ever. Never worked at night. Nice for sleeping, right? My duty, my job was to sit there For eight hours. About three o'clock in the morning, there was a puddle of oil all, all, all over this place, just in Greece. I was ready just to step down and lay my head right in the grease, and just pass out. Nighttime's for sleeping, not for work. Where was I going with that? I don't even know where it's going. <laughs> Signs and wonders, miracles, the power of God, it's all real, it's genuine, it's tangible. It is the divine heavenly substance that heals, that delivers, that sets free, that takes mortal bodies like ours and quickens them. That's why he said lay hands on the sick so that they can recover. There's a transfer of power that flows into that particular body. When you're spirit-filled and you've got the life of God in you, He allows us to participate in this wonderful event of laying on of hands so that the power that's activated in us can flow through our hands into that person's body and bring the healing power of God to somebody and they can experience it in a tangible way. And then once they do, they start rejoicing in it and add their faith to it. And then, of course, it manifests itself in the healing of their bodies. Well, the disciples preached the Word of God but the Lord confirmed the word preached with signs and wonders, and we see this as a pattern. Look at Acts chapter two, verses eleven uh, through third. I'm sorry, forty-one through forty-three. These are confirmed signs and wonders. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' notice. It says doctrine, not heresy, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles." Now that's often made me wonder what they were. It just said that there were many. So we're not talking about a few, we're talking about a many. We're talking about the practice of it. This is their practice. They preach the word with high expectation, they say, okay, God, do your part. Look in verses uh, 29 through 23 in Acts chapter 4. 29 through 30. This is their prayer when they were criticized for what they did. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant to thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. This was their prayer. This was their prayer desire. They hungered for this. They thirsted for this. They understood that they would be like the shorn Samson if God was not manifesting himself in a powerful and glorious way. Who are we in ourselves to try to convince people, especially the Jewish people, to come out of Judaism to join Christianity? Unless God shows up and shows himself strong and performs signs, wonders, and miracles. As a matter of fact, if you recall the story back in Acts chapter 3, When the lame man at the gate of the temple was healed, walking and leaping and praising God, they said it was the power of the name of Jesus that did this. They were taken aside by the ruling religious leaders. And they were threatened. Notice the threat. They did not say, don't preach or teach about the resurrection. Uh Uh-uh. They didn't say that. Don't preach or teach about the new birth and being born again. They didn't say that. But we know what they said? Don't you dare preach or teach anything more about the name of Jesus. Because Peter said, if you want to know how he got healed, his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yea, the faith that is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And they said, don't you dare preach that name ever again. You know what, beloved? We have a right to preach that name. We have a right to proclaim that name. He has given us the right to use His name, praise God, to manifest signs and wonders everywhere we go. But it's up to us to have faith in that name, to believe in the power of that name, so our faith would stand in the wisdom of men, not the power of God. There is a name above it all, that we, whatever it is that we encounter. Look at Acts chapter 5 and verses 12 through 14. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch and of the resters no man joined himself to them but the people magnified them and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes both of men and women. This is after Ananias and Sapphira fell dead. They prayed this prayer and they believed God. And God manifested himself in signs and wonders, if, if you recall, the shadow of Peter overshadowing all those that they brought in from every quarter, every direction around about them, they were healed by the glory of God that was there. This was commonplace at that time. But the church, from that time on, after the first so many hundred years, all of a sudden all this was lost. We're talking about the quiet, the dark ages, the quiet time when People weren't in the Bible. They weren't being taught the Word of God. The Word of God was taken away from people. Then you got religious tradition that was set up and set in. Finally, you've got to get to the, you know, the place of the revival that took place until finally people had their eyes open to the truth of God's Word. And so the Reformation took place and back to the Bible, find out what it really says. And so there's been a warfare going on between light and darkness, between truth and, of course, the lies of the devil. And he's obviously done a pretty good job as far as deceiving people and keeping them blind to the power that's in the name of Jesus. But you know what? Look at Acts chapter 14. This is the last of the last days. And this is a time when I believe hearts must become hungrier and we must become thirstier for the fullness of the manifestation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and in deed with signs following. Let's begin with verse 1 here. The same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message. Hmm. Unexpected, huh? And poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews along with their leaders decided to attack and stone them. When the apostles learned of it they fled to the region of Lycaonia to the towns of Lystra and Derby and the surrounding area, and there they preached the good news. We see two things we can extract here from this section of Scripture. Number one, you know, we can see that the signs and wonders that were there were necessary to get a hold of the attention of a lot of the Jews and a lot of the Gentiles that were there among the people, and many gave their hearts to Jesus. You know what's happening in the last days right now? This is the last of the great harvest. We're in the harvest season right now. And there are many people that God wants to bring into the kingdom. Why? So he can bring in Jesus. How many know that Jesus is right now itching to get on the white horse? And call his church back to himself. We can't play church any longer. The darkness is getting so dark that it's unbelievable. We know that. It's before our very eyes we can see it. So the light has got to become lighter and brighter and brighter and we've got to rise up to a place to say we're not taking this any longer. We are the church of the living God. We believe, we're the blood-washed church of the redeemed. Jesus' name is above every other name. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with him and let God's fire fall, praise God. He's the God of signs and wonders. You know what it took for Elijah to convince all the prophets of Baal? Let the fire fall and let, his, let yourself be made known as God. There's not one word they can say. But lo and behold, little did they know that they would all die as a result of their disobedience. It also, number two, reveals to us this truth. Number one, we need signs and wonders like never before. Number two, even with signs and wonders, there's hard hearts out there. Did you read that section and see that many believed and God did signs and wonders and miracles. And yet, they shunned them. They actually wanted to stone them them. Do you remember when Lazarus was raised up from the dead and they said, people everywhere are going to him. we got to stop this madness. The whole world is going to him. You think they would have said, he must be the Messiah. (laughs) He raised him from the dead after four days he's decaying and he raised him from the dead. Can the Messiah do anything more than that? But no. Goes to show you the hardness of people's hearts. And that's exactly how they were at that time. Now, in Mark's Gospel, chapter six, 16, and we'll use this section to bring it to a conclusion. But before I do, let's take just one moment. I share with you about the man whose wife had this horrible ankle tear, ligaments in her ankle. You ever had those? You know they're not fun. <clears throat> Couldn't walk. We go there, my dad and I, we pray for her. She accepts Christ as her Savior and she's healed to where she could smack, smack her foot on the ground where before she couldn't even touch the ground. She got a miracle. The doctor confirmed the miracle. This man saw his wife get saved, get healed. He's the one that carried her to lay her on the couch that morning. And now she's completely healed and welcoming him home from work in the afternoon. And he says, What happened to you? I got, and she said it. He said, I don't believe any of that stuff. Took her back to the doctors. The doctor said, I'm confirming it. This woman, this this is it right here. This was her first x-ray. Look at it. And you know what? She got a miracle. He confirmed it. Guess what he said? I don't believe any of it. And the man died cursing God. Think about that. In some cases, in some instances, it wouldn't matter what you preach or what they see. Their hearts are so hardened to the things of God. That must be their choice. Remember Jesus even said in John's gospel that people, they'd rather have darkness than light. But you know what? He also knew that there would be those that want the light. And they want God. Let's read these verses and close. In Mark 16, he said to, uh, to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any day, they think it won't hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs. Notice with signs following. So let's break it down. In the. Uh, The Great Commission, the last days, the church is commissioned to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. So in verse 15, he's speaking to whom? The apostles. He's telling them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And what is the gospel message? That Christ lived, Christ died, Christ rose again. He's victor over death, over hell, over the grave, and you must be born again, make Him your Savior and Lord, so you can pass from death to life. And they went everywhere and they preached that. But it says the Lord confirmed the word with signs following. And look at verse 16. He that believes, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. He's saying there are going to be two ways this message is received. Either going to hear it, believe it, and act upon it and be saved. Or they're going to reject it. He that believes not shall be what? Damned. So there's life and there's death. There's good, there's evil, there's blessing, there's cursing. There's eternal life, eternal death. That's the bottom line. But who's he speaking to? His disciples. What's he telling them? Those that believe will be saved. Those that don't will be damned. Look at the next verse. These signs shall follow Peter, James, John, the apostles. These signs, who's he speaking to? The apostles. Who's he speaking about? What's he speaking about? Them that believe. Them that believe. Do you believe? I appreciate your enthusiasm this morning. You're so excited. Are you a believer? Yes. Do you believe? Yes. Then these signs shall follow. Say me. me. Them that believe. In my name. In my name. Don't preach the name any longer, they said. Uh-uh, we don't want to hear that name. You know what? Do you ever have somebody behind you just shouting things out and shouting things out and shouting things out you just want to turn around and just say, uh, tone it down a little bit. Maybe at a ball game or something like that or here or there or whatever, tone it down just a little bit. And that's what those uh, religious leaders were saying. Tone it down. Tone it down. Don't preach on that name. Don't preach on that name. Don't you want to just stand up and shout it from the mountaintops. The name of Jesus is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Glory to the name. The name is above every other name. Yes. They're trying to silence the name. Jesus says, uh In my tell them in my name, cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents means exercise dominion over the animal kingdom. If you drink any deadly thing, it won't harm you. Lay your hands on the sick that they can recover in my name. In other words, you're acting in my stead. And he says, and in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So when you declare the name, who shows up on the scene? If you demand anything in my name, I will do it. Don't you love that? You don't have to do it. He does it. Look at the next verse. We have the signs of those that believe, not just the apostles. So then after the Lord has spoken unto them... He was received up into heaven and sat sat on the right hand of God. This parallels creation. Did you know that? In creation, he worked six days. And what did he do on the seventh day? Why did he sit down and rest? He was tired? He was spent? No. Took a couple of aspirin and sat down and thought, I've worked so hard? I don't think so. He sat down because the work was done. And when the work is done, you're finished. You just sit down and watch it operate. He spoke it into existence. He doesn't have to figure out if the sand along the seashore is going to hold the mighty ocean waters back. Now, I've already spoke that into being. I made a decree. It's working. So he sat down and he rested. When Jesus finished redemption... When he defeated death, hell, and the grave. When he made it possible for a dead man to become alive again, dead spiritually, to become alive spiritually again, he sat down down at the right hand of the majesty on high as the high priest of the new creation, as the mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus as the advocate, the inter- the one who is there before us to represent us before the throne, as the intercessor who knows our lives, who knows what we're going through and he's there praying for every single one of us and our success and finally he is the surety oh I love this, he's sitting there next to the father as the guarantee that every word is true. Right there, sitting right next to the Father. I back it all up. I back it up. Do You ever get an ironclad guarantee? Don't you like those lifetime guarantees? Whose life? Does that mean I'm supposed to die before that thing dies out? I don't think so. Lifetime guarantee. But you know what? At the right hand of the Majesty on high, you and I have a lifetime guarantee representing us before the throne of God that says every word of the covenant is true and all blood bought, blood washed people have a right to all the privileges of the throne. Whew. Wow. He's not tired, he's done. That's why we say the finished work of Christ. And then look at verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. One, you could see italicized uh, them, I think, working with them is italicized. One, I've heard it said this way, if you look at it more literally, it's, The Lord working with and confirming the Word with signs following. The Lord working with His Word and confirming His Word with signs following. So, this is absolutely necessary in the time in which we are living. Brother Mike, in that meeting, I'd love to see Jesus just show up. And just manifest His glory in that meeting. So, guess what? All the talk that we could talk about, God shows up and says, I'm changing your life right now. I'm going to get you on the right path right now. Let's conclude with this last verse of Scripture. In Zechariah 4, 6, when the situation seemed impossible, there's no possible way that you're going to be able to accomplish your goal. Because you see, humanly, it seems to be impossible. But the Lord speaks and He says, then He answered and said, to me, saying, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Okay, what is that word, Lord? Saying, not by might, Not by military forces, not by power, not by human ingenuity, Mm -mm. but by my spirit, says the Lord of Hosts. Today's church is not to be as the shorn Samson who is blind and grinding at the mill of his enemy in a weakened condition. What message does that tell us? If this church is like the Shorn Samson, then we'll be run all over. He finally recognized where his power came from. It was not from himself. It was not because he was so holy and righteous. His power came from the throne of Almighty God and he could do the things that he did because he was empowered by God to do them. And when he lost the anointing of God by cutting off his hair or having Bathsheba cut off his hair, He found out what it was like just to be a mere mortal human being. You could do nothing. But when he said, oh Lord, standing between the pillars, just this one more time, grant your servant your anointing, your power, your ability one time to represent you as I should have. He repented. the heart. What happened? You know the story. The power of God came into his life and now we see him empowered by God, not weakened because he lost the equipping of God, the anointing of God. The church of today, we got to rise up above psychedelic lights, fogs and all that, and start saying, God be God. Save the lost. Heal the sick. Set the captives free. Go into the White House and clean it out. Yeah. Clean it out. You do it. We'll, make, we'll be the conduit. You know what I mean by the conduit? We'll pray and we'll vote. You do the rest. They spoke the word. Jesus sat down. They spoke the word. And he confirmed it with signs following. Let's all stand together before the throne of God.